This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Monday, March the 13th. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If you're expected to see the lovely visage of Dave Biddle, Dave is on break today. Is he dealing with his uh, tournament bracket hangover? We don't really know. It's always possible. We don't ask here. We're uh, totally trusting of our staff. And as you can see, we are totally trusting of the great Patrick Murphy, who has gotten up early to join us, and we appreciate that. So, Pat and I apologize coming to you a bit late. Pat, having a good Monday? So far, so good. Um, I'll try and live up to Dave. I think he's just starting spring break early. That's that's mm-hmm. my. He's rounding off the edges. Yeah, down he's in Panama. The guy that always he gets the uh, you know he's the guy who's smart enough to schedule. Thanksgiving weekend off in advance, so he buys himself a couple extra free days. Sometimes that's, uh, you got to wonder where the commands are coming from in that house, but we'll assume it's Dave for purposes of this television show or combination YouTube or whatever this thing is actually morphed into. But we rarely start with basketball, and we will today because it was the end of basketball for the Ohio State Buckeyes. They made a valiant run in the Big Ten tournament. I think uh, any reasonable fan should be happy with that performance, given where they were entering the tournament. I think you could pan back and take shots at the team and do whatever you want. But it was a strong finish, thankfully, probably around guys that we will see again. Put a bow on You spent a lot of time with this team, and it was – it was one of the rougher seasons in recent memory that I think will have a decent aftertaste, if that makes any sense, just because the way it finished with some young guys, but kind of put a bow on everything, what you thought of it, where they go from here. And then, like I said, don't, don't give that one answer that I'm going to ask you up at the end. Yeah, I think, look, this was a tough season. It was tough for fans to watch. It was tough for Steve and I to cover, and I'm sure everyone else who covered this team it was tough for the players. It was tough for the coaches. I've talked to a number of coaches who just, you know, tried to figure out what was going on throughout the year and, and never had real answers. So to have a run here at the end, and, and I, you know, the Big Ten tournament, obviously great, but the, the last few games of the season, and even that loss up at Michigan State, they played pretty well. I think that at least lets you have a better taste in your mouth going into the offseason. We got done with that game against Purdue 
they did the post-game press conference. And then we were waiting outside the locker room to talk to Roddy Gale and Chris Holtman and, and a couple of the assistants were out there. And look, they weren't happy that, that the season was over, but they were definitely proud of, of what they were doing and just kind of standing around talking to them. It, it was obvious that Look, they, they knew that this team should have been playing closer to what we saw these last few weeks throughout most of the season. I think some of it had to do with the growth of the freshmen, but you also just never had the consistent play of the veterans that, that we saw here kind of late. Um, obviously, tired legs affected this team, or else maybe they make a run to Sunday, and, and protect, perhaps we're talking about a, uh, a tournament run further, but... I think it's it's good to to kind of sail off into the sunset with this group, knowing that it was a bad year, but that, that it ended at least on a positive note. Um, I think that way Buckeye fans can can have a more positive remembering of some of these guys, and then the guys as you mentioned that are coming back, there's something to build on next year. As opposed to look, if they'd lost Wednesday night to Wisconsin, you really go into the off season with okay, where where do these guys go from here? They weren't able to do anything as freshmen, da 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 da. So. At least you started to see something, the emergence of a guy like Roddy Gale, obviously Bruce Thornton, uh, Felix Opara getting minutes at the end. So it, I think that's certainly a positive to, to build on this offseason and then once next year gets rolling. Yeah, I think definitely if you were going to say what has happened in the last three weeks to a month, obviously Bruce Thornton has emerged. I do think it's kind of ridiculous that we love Thornton because we think he's good enough to be really good and not leave. <laughs> um, seriously, that's why people love him. Yeah. They love the fact that he's a bulldog and he's a competitor, but they also don't, they aren't threatened by the fact that he's going to leave for the NBA. So, um, but I think Roddy Gale's emergence, uh, that backcourt building on that backcourt heading into next year certainly gives you a little bit of a foundation there was a time when you would think maybe an all sophomore backcourt would be young, but good gracious, I'll do. I'd have to do the math. But when you talk about the experience they got this year, they're probably one of the more experienced backcourts coming back in the conference next year, based on total starts. That's how transient it is, and you don't know what the team's going to look like based on the transfer portal. Um, but they're in a little bit of a tough spot in that they weren't good enough this year to keep Bryce Sensabaugh down enough to not show enough to leave. I do think he's leaving. And I would just encourage everybody to view this in two separate planes. If you're going to comment on Bryce Sensabon's NBA uh, aspirations, one is, is he ready to contribute in the NBA, which is literally irrelevant. And two is, will he get drafted if he gets his name into the draft? And that he will. So the I, this argument, I had an argument with who was my college roommate. When did Greg and uh, Mike come out? Oh, what year was seven. that? Oh, okay. seven. Daquan Cook was on that team. Yep. He was also on their AAU team. He's probably one of the better players ever to come out of the Gem City here. He he was buried by the end of the year at Ohio State. He wasn't even playing, and I would tell people like he's leaving. And they was like, he didn't play. There's no way. And it's like, you're confusing your ability to watch the games and what you think is going to happen with real life. That's not what goes on here. Um, if there's a desire to go into the – by the way, Daquan was right. He went to the NBA, had a fine career. He's doing great work in the AAU area around here. He won a three-point contest. Now, was it the best he could have been? 
Maybe not. But if guys have a chance to leave and get picked, they're going to leave. I'm not even saying Sensabaugh will survive or, or thrive. I haven't even put that past that, but that has nothing to do with it. So let's not have, I mean, we can have, we're going to have long threads about he's not ready. He'll get played into the G League. Branham spent most of the year in the G League. He's come up and do a Malachi Branham. Nobody thought Malachi Branham was a one and done. Um, so uh, let's take it like this. They will bring back Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, like you said, Felix Opara, Justice Suing. Boy, he had a rough, uh, rough last month. But I would say for Justice Suing, seems like a great kid and stuff. That's what you get when you try and play someone as your go-to guy who's not a go-to guy. He's just not talented enough to play that role. Um, there were many times a shot looked like it should have gone in, and it didn't down the stretch. He didn't take bad shots. He's just not a great player. Those shots probably should have been Malachi Branham's. He's on the Spurs. Yep. So just like Bryce Sensabaugh got shots he shouldn't have gotten, now you're going to lose Bryce Sensabaugh. So we'll see how that goes. I do think the talent will be better next year just because you said about experience. They have some guys coming in. I don't look at the class coming in and see anybody who's a day one starter. I'm not even sure I see any day one major, major contributors. I could be wrong. Your thoughts on the class coming in and then finish it off with your starting a lineup when next season kicks off. Steve and I, when we were in Chicago this week, talked about that classic, a decent amount and, you know, Steve spends more time out on the, the hoops recruiting trail than I do. So it was good, some good insight. And look, he said a guy like Taysom Chapman is a guy who could come in and handle the ball for them. He thinks he's ready. Now he shouldn't have to do that a ton because of Bruce Thornton. And what we saw from Roddy Gale is kind of that secondary ball handler, but he believes he's a guy who who's ready to do that. Devin Royal, I think is interesting because he's, he's probably the most, obvious guy to step in and play a big role a because of how good he is he's making a run a state tournament had had another good game just the other day yesterday i watched it yeah uh but there's also going to be an opportunity there in in terms of you know that that spot that kind of number three number four combo spot there so he's probably the one of those guys that might have the opportunity to to play a big role we'll see how they handle zed key next year and and Obviously, what happens with the shoulder surgery, it sounds like everything's going to be fine. You just never know. And maybe that opens some minutes from Austin Parks if Zed Key plays some more at the four. Uh, I don't know how that would work, but Chris Holtman's talked about it. But yeah, Devin Royal's the one that I think could potentially, just because of the opportunity, come in and, and have a bigger role. I mean, they're going to need these guys to play. There's no doubt about that. Just given the numbers, they'll definitely hit the transfer portal to some degree to, to kind of fill in there like they did this past season, but you're, you're going to need the freshman, maybe not quite as much as you did this past year. Hopefully oh <laughs> not as much Good as you Lord. did this past year. Yeah. But, but if these the guys freshman start as much next year. Yeah. We're going to have to open up a new board for Holtman. It won't even fit on the front row. It'll be the Holtman row. I don't know what it'll be, uh, but he will not like it. Um, I think you make a good point there. Chapman. I could see it. So I know Royal a little bit, and I misspoke. It was Saturday. I'm a day off here. Pick Central versus Olentangy, Olentangy Orange, which is a very good team. Uh, senior laden, several scholarship guys going Division Two, and Royal was the difference in the game. He's just uh, 
too big and too athletic for teams that don't have a, a matchup for him. So down the stretch, you know, hard it is to get a defensive rebound against the team with guys like that. And uh, he was spectacular. He's got a real nice face-up game. He had probably a two or three-minute stretch where he hit four or five, just catch and turn and face 15, 16-footers and drained them easily. He kind of has a little bit of a EJ Liddell game, if you were going to say it that way, kind of an undersized interior player that can shoot a little bit. I think he's probably six seven, but plays kind of a power forward spot right now. I think you can do that in the, the Big Ten. He's going to be a little undersized, so there could be a change. There's one thing that you notice when you see the Big Ten is everybody's big. All yeah. the teams are right size, and even Northwestern's putting – you know, a six foot four, 215 pound shooting guard out there. Maybe you might not be the quickest guy, but the one thing about the Big Ten, you know, is it's big and strong. So there can be a little bit of an adjustment time for less physically developed freshmen. I don't think Royal will have that issue because he's kind of jacked. And make sure you check out the game this weekend. They will play in the state semifinals at the great University of Dayton Arena against Centerville which is the way the state tournament works and rotates. That was actually the state championship game last year. I thought the key to the pick central team last year was the great Sonny Styles. He's gone. Uh, so Royal has kind of carried them back there by himself against a, a Centerville team that has Gabe Cups committed to Indiana. But the guy you want to watch for Buckeye fans is Jonathan Powell, a six foot five shooting guard on Centerville who's probably – the most prototype NBA-style shooting guard to come through the state in a while now. He has an offer from Ohio State. They are the warm school. Um, he's got a tremendous amount of potential. Yeah, I was at uh, Chaminade Julian last year and uh, changed to Centerville. They basically did the George Washington the third for John Powell's flip. Both are still alive, by the way, so we will see. All right. That's a lot of hoops. We're going to take a quick break here at the 13-minute mark so I can pay some podcast bills, come back, and talk football. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Um, let's actually finish off some hoop stock here with this. Spider Sillery, one of our best. Pat, can NIL keep sensible? I don't think so. Me I mean, either. As you, uh, yeah, as you said it earlier, like, these guys go. I mean, how often, you know, if you're, if you're a first-round guy, even a fringe lottery guy, it's, it's so rare to see them come back these days. NIL might help in some degree, but, look, he's a scorer. He'll score at the NBA level. 
Mm. He may have to, like you said earlier, go to the G League to work on some of his other things. Um, He has the potential. That's all you need. Right. The idea that you need need something more than legitimate potential is faulty. And listen, there have been plenty of times and plenty of games where he has hit shots when you've, I guarantee if you're a real basketball fan, you've said to yourself, damn. (laughs) He's got a certain release for a guy that size. Most guys that are built like that don't have that, that touch he has. You know, I mean, He's a special scorer, um, so you give him credit for getting him here, and then uh, maybe you can buy his jersey if he goes to the Cavs or, for in your case, the Lakers. He'll be on the Lakers eventually like every other player is. Um, let's move on to football. People, actually, we'll talk some Justin Fields at the end there. That was a very cool weekend for him. Yeah. Let's talk about the current team. They are on spring break. Um, they are not at the Sandpiper Inn in – Panama City, Florida, according to my son, although I wait up every night and check Life 360 to make sure he's back in the hotel room before I go to sleep. I'm that kind of dad. So I digress, but um, what's your vibe after the first week? It's kind of an interesting thing where they kind of get all back and everything gets rolling, and they kind of cut it off and take a break, kind of a hurry up and chill. After the first week, I'm not going to be silly enough to be like, hey, who's leading the quarterback battle? But um, your general sense of the squad, were there some things that surprised you? I'll tell you one thing that I'm not going to say it surprised me, but I'm a fan of listening to Jim Knowles talk during his press conferences because I think he's a little bit too honest for a coach. He actually answers questions. I don't know what he's doing out there. He's actually giving out information that you can use and, and go forward with, which is he's got to take coach B403. I think he's only through – Coach Big 312. But he said, I, I find it very interesting, the dynamic with the linebackers and that the decision of Steele Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg to come back essentially set C.J. Hicks back a year. Um, I think they had had an idea of him penciled in there. And then you also hear him talk about Sonny Styles and know this. Sonny Styles is going to play football for this team a lot. He's going to be deployed rather than utilize. Does that make sense? Um, I thought that was very interesting that he he addressed the idea that CJ was such a heralded player and probably wasn't going to get the burn expected. And that's something they're going to make concessions for. Not concessions, but just simply because he, he, there's not the log jam at his spot. What did you make of that? And uh, just your thoughts on those two kind of emerging. Because to me, if we're talking about Ohio State taking the next step as a, as a defense, it's those types of guys stepping into the werewolf type roles. Completely agree. Sonny Styles, I mean, I, I don't know how you don't have a kid on the field. He was he was part of their plan for the college football playoff semifinal. I think that tells you enough. He was gonna uh, the the tight end Washington for Georgia before he gets hurt. Like he was just gonna match up with one of the better tight ends in the country, and they were gonna trust him to do that. So you uh, you see what they've they think of Sonny Styles, a kid who should be coming into his first year at Ohio State. I think with C.J. Hicks, it's interesting, as you mentioned, because of the the guys coming back, if they're going to get him on the field, it's going to have to be either in a rotational sense or they're going to have to get creative. Jim Knowles said he could be a candidate to play that jack position. They're not going to do a ton with that this spring, but they they do still want that to be a part of this offense. I, I Or that defense, sorry. I think it will be interesting to see you know, what he could do 
I mean, such an athletic guy. The one thing that stood out to me when Jim Knowles was talking to CJ Hicks was he said, if you give him a direction, he can go from one place to another the way you need him to. So like, I think there's still some development they see in him that, that maybe he's, and probably because he just didn't play much his freshman year, wasn't on the field at all defensively. They're still working through playing at this level. And, you know, if you followed CJ Hicks in high school, he did a lot of different things for his defense. He wasn't always just playing linebacker. So still working at that position. I Look, though, he's too talented to not be involved this year, similar to Sonny Styles. So those two guys, I think for sure, have to be a part of this. You don't recruit those guys to sit on the bench for two years. They're just, you know, you you don't have the the depth of talent like at the receiver room or at running back on defense right now. So you've got to get your best players on the field, figure out a way, and those are two of them. That's definitely what I was hoping you'd say, like, figure it out, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, their defense was not – in a position to be uh, like beggars can't be choosers. I mean, that's a little rude, but we need to get the dude on the field. That's for sure. I will say this, the more I do a little research and talk to people and stuff, I think they absolutely crushed it in the transfer portal with Davison Igbenosin from Ole Miss and Jihad Carter from Syracuse. I think we will be sitting here at the end of the year. If things go the way we hope crediting that as a big, big reason why they did what they did. Um, those are real players now. Uh, I mean, Igbenosin as a prospect might be the best prospect in the secondary right now. I think I can I, don't, I don't remember seeing a corner when we walked into the Woody last Tuesday, a corner that looks like Igbenosin. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's legit six. I think they have him listed six, two. And he, he is probably big. six, two. Like six one, yeah, I mean, six two is no one's really six two. No, but he's like six one and a half. Six, I mean, he's he's not six foot. No, Sorry. and he he just stood out among the other cornerbacks. And and look, I've seen a lot of Ohio State talented cornerbacks that went off to the league, and you know they're they're your stereotypical smaller guy, not smaller, but smaller in comparison. He is a guy, and he played in the SEC last year. Like you've got a guy with experience, with the size um, now. He was in the transfer portal for a reason. Maybe it was because he wanted more playing time. Well, I assume at some point this spring we'll get a chance to talk to him about that. But this is a guy that at least right now, just walk, just walking in, passing the eye test, and then you watch the film, and there's good stuff there. So right. I completely agree with you on him. I think Jihad Carter, he gives you something different than what you had last year with Tanner McAllister. Absolutely, I think they upgraded at both positions there. Now you've got between Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and Igbenosin, I think you have three legitimate cornerbacks if Denzel Burke can get back to playing how he was his freshman year, being healthy and whatnot. And if Jordan Hancock can become what they think he can, you've got three guys there. The depth behind them is not great, and, and guys will have to develop. But that's a lot better place than I think you left the season thinking you might be in because you landed somebody like that. Yeah, he was not at Ole Miss because he was under-recruited or – you know, that sometimes you say, oh, Ole Miss, Ohio State rarely competes in the transfer portal for players who go to Ole Miss. He was the number one player in the state of New Jersey from Union High School, which is high, high quality football routinely for years. Uh, a big school state championship type squad. Um, and he went to uh, Ole Miss basically to follow his high school, one of his high school coaches and Chris Patridge. We all remember that name. 
And what's I've said this before. What's funny is Igbenosin was going to transfer because Patrick was going to leave, and he was uh, Igbenosin was choosing between Ohio State and Michigan. Thankfully, Patrick chose Michigan after Igbenosin chose Ohio State. So we are lucky he was not put through that. And Carter, to me, maybe not quite as talented, but super experienced playmaker that was the leader of a secondary, and in terms of stepping in seamlessly. Anyone who has been reliant on freshmen knows it just helps to be 21, 22 years old back there in terms of leadership, physicality, etc. Um, let's talk the obvious, and we are legally obligated to discuss the Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, or the Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. I don't want anyone taking anything out of who was mentioned first. Um, just your thoughts on the whole thing. Like we said, this is going, it's going to be harder to get real information out about this than it is to, you know, get into Fort Knox because they don't want either one of these guys to leave. I don't think, in my opinion, Dan's opinion, that they're completely sold on who it is yet. Um, I'm sure every guy there in charge has a vibe. What's your thought? Um, how they looked, how they acted, and, um, you know, what can people expect when they get back on the field in a week? I think both have had from, from the two kind of viewing windows we've been allowed to see both have had positive moments. Um, now look, this is them throwing on air to, uh, you know, not even their full complement of receivers because the guys that are out and we're there for 30 minutes. So let's, let's take it at, at face value there. But I've seen some good throws from both guys. I've seen some guys, you know, Kyle McCord had one throw the first day we were there that I was like, ooh, that was not good. But then he came right back the next play and made a nice throw. Um, uh, I forget who the receiver was. Same with Devin Brown. There's There's been some inconsistency. It was the first day of spring practice. So I think both guys have the right mentality. We talked to both quarterbacks already. I really like the way they handle themselves. Kyle McCord, Dave and I talked about this on the the happy hour after that first spring practice. Kyle McCord brings a very serious nature to it. You can tell he's very businesslike in his approach, at least with us. Devin Brown is is still a bit more, you know, he, he shows his personality a bit more. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer with that. You can watch the videos. We've got them on our YouTube page on Bucknuts. Look, I, I don't I don't know how you go wrong here. Now, obviously you can, and if they do, that's that's gonna be a problem. But both of these guys are talented. They let you do a little bit different things. I know the mobility continues to be something that comes up when you talk about Kyle McCord and, and does he have what they need. I think he certainly can do what C.J. Stroud did in the bowl game and just pick up some yards when you need them. Maybe not run for 70 yards, but but get what you need. And he does seem to be a bit more willing to do that. Devin Brown will certainly give you that, and I think he's got an accurate arm. It's maybe not quite as explosive as Kyle McCord's. So you've got a nice little balance here depending on, on what you want to do. I think leadership is going to be a big thing. That's not something we're going to see a ton of, um, but that's something that Ryan Day's already brought up a couple times that, that, you know, he's going to have, whoever this is, is going to have to lead this entire team. And Kyle McCord's had more experience, but I also like what we've seen from Devin Brown when he's had those opportunities. He talked about when CJ Stroud was at the Heisman last year, trying to step up and be more of a leader as well. So I think both guys have the ability. I think both guys have the temperament. It's, it's going to be a fun battle, and we'll, we'll get a bigger sample size here as we go through. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to pick anyone. Uh, Steve and I had a debate over the weekend 
Steve is like, how do you not start Devin Brown or how do you not start Kyle McCord? Because Devin Brown probably won't leave. And I was like, I don't know if you think that way. Like, I think you just have to get the guy that who's the best guy and get him out there and worry about what happens later. We'll see how it plays out though, for sure. It's super interesting to me because they, they can't mess around. You know, like they also keep in mind, we got to keep wide receiver you going here. Yeah. Um, you got to pick the guy who can get the ball to these guys so they can be picked, what, third and 15th overall next year. And um, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. Unless we forget, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyle McCord played together in high school. Pretty well. That, that worked yeah, out well. They were decent. Um, pretty fun to face them on Friday night. <laughs> Definitely have the Harrison flu. Uh, so I wonder if that plays any role into it. I'm not saying that, you know, that it really does. But I would think that Marvin and Kyle should have a certain rapport together. And um, when in doubt, he'll know who to throw it to. I know I would. Uh, let's a- actually finish with some NFL chatter. People want to talk about Justin Fields. And he- I would just like to say this. Do people not... There are people who who think Justin Fields is a running quarterback still. And I just wonder if those people had access to cable television when he was in college. Justin Fields' junior year here, he threw 41 touchdown passes, three interceptions, two of which were blatantly not his fault. One of which the coach took the blame for, and one of which, let's just face it, Alave turned the wrong way in the end zone. I think it was a Chris. Um, 41 to three. That's not an option quarterback. He's doing that. He did. And then next year was similar. Remember, we didn't, his senior year, we were afraid for him ever to carry the football. Lest Gunnar Hoke would get in there and uh, take the controls. So I don't understand that when they talk about him. Um, And just to give you an understanding of how bad the Bears were and are at receiver. DJ Moore was just traded for you. You know that. DJ Moore has more career receiving yards. Any wide receiver in Chicago Bears history already. DJ Moore just got here. I mean, that is a terrible setup. He had the worst off. He was running for his life. Yeah. I really don't understand. And it's almost like I didn't understand why it took so long for everyone to come around to CJ being the number one guy. And then I start to feel like I'm a total homer. What's my problem? Tell me. Help yeah. me out. Why am I, am I a homer? Are these people no. just clueless? No, I I agree. Look, I mean, if you've only watched the NFL and that's all you know of Justin Fields, then yeah, I guess you would think he's a running quarterback because he's had to do a lot of it. But as you mentioned, he's had to do it. It's that's how they've been able to do anything and they still aren't winning games doing it. So you need to get him weapons. You need to protect him though. And you know, hopefully that's what they'll do with, I think they got the number nine pick in that trade over the weekend. Hopefully you go in there, you get him a, Maybe a Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, one of, get an yeah, uh, one, one of these offensive linemen. you got to get this guy help. Give him time. I know the NFL in college, it's a different level, but you saw, as you mentioned, you mentioned the numbers, but just watching him in college. I mean, he wanted – he's not C.J. Stroud in terms of wanting to stay in the pocket, but it's not like he was Braxton Miller early in Braxton no. Miller's career either. So, look, get get him a, another weapon or two. Um, I know they trade him for C.J. Moore. That helps. Yeah, you've got the, the receiver from Pittsburgh who they traded for last year. Who, yeah, who's a fine player. Get him an offensive line. Build that thing. 
in the right way and don't just make him run for his life because you know, we've already seen him be hurt a couple times. Uh, it's, it's just been a bad situation in Chicago. Look at how the Bengals have done with Joe Burrow. If, if you're a team right now in the NFL and you've got a young quarterback, obviously they, they have hit the jackpot with those three receivers, but look at how they've built it there and, and follow that blueprint. I think that's a perfect situation because you went from a team that was drafting number one overall and you figured a way to get to the Super Bowl and then get back to the AFC championship game by building around your young quarterback and giving him exactly what he needs. I think more than anything I've learned about the NFL recently is double down on what you're good on. Yeah, absolutely. If, you're good at, if, you're, if you have a good passing game, get another receiver. The idea of filling holes and that kind of trying to be good at everything, I, I don't think you can do that in the NFL anymore. Um, I, I would, I'm not even kidding when I say this. If they pick Jackson Smith and Jigbutt number nine, that would be a tremendous pick for them. Um, I realize you've got to protect them. And I don't know enough about their offensive line, the depth, yada, 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 and how to do that. But the idea of just overwhelming now people with talent, yeah. skill-wise that he didn't have before, I love that idea. Um, I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan. I want them they, – they, they salary uh, – they franchise Tony Pollard. I want them to release Zeke and pick Bijan Robinson. Then you've got the best running back rotation in the league. You know what I'm saying? You have a chance to do something with it. You, look how good the people are at the NFL, at the Super Bowl level, at what they do best. Like you mentioned, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, that's impossible to stop when you have a good running back. I mean, the Chiefs are built around arguably the best tight end receiver, uh, tight end quarterback combo of all time with great. I mean, you got to do something exceptional. It's not good. To, so, And I do think there is no doubt in my mind with the splash plays, and the fact that Chicago is that market. If the Bears start out 6-0, and you are going to have, like, banners on buses with fields for MVP. He's got that kind of talent. So yeah. all the haters need to uh, just Google his high school career, his, his college. I went back and looked at his stats to make sure I wasn't insane. 41-3. to And the first one, I really, I've never covered a team where after the guy's first interception, the coach comes out and blatantly says, that was my fault. And Day did that. So we will leave you with that. I probably talked too much today. Who knows? Dave will not even be back tomorrow, so you're going to have to hear more of me. I don't even know who my guest is going to be yet. Maybe he'll be Pat again, and he will get no overtime. Bucknutters, have a good one.